Well, good morning. Uh, thank you very much for being here. We've got some visitors with us, and it's good to see you and, and hope that uh, our coming together will be, uh, will be an encouragement to each of us as we endeavor uh, to improve our efforts to live, to live the Christian life. Uh, probably you, you may have noticed or not noticed uh, on the schedule, I wasn't originally scheduled to speak. Brother Kyle's not feeling well, and so I'm filling in for him and hopefully uh, can cover this subject in a way that will be edifying to you. Uh, if, just by way of context, we are in a, a series of, of looking at, uh, from Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit, and we're contrasting that with the works of the flesh. Uh, and so we're kind of going back and forth, not just alternating, but we'll do some for the Spirit and then some uh, works of the flesh. This is one of the ones that we need to be sure that we add to our life. And so it's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And so we find this in Galatians chapter 5 and in verse number 22 where Paul lists the things that there's against no such law that we should as Christians should have in our lives. And this is one that just on the outside you might think, that doesn't sound like a very um, exciting subject to really get into, but I hope that you maybe feel otherwise uh, when we're through this morning because I found it to be edifying to me. I, I, I learned some things. Uh, I, I, it, it caused me to focus on some things that uh, perhaps I had not done as well as I should. Uh, so just thinking about a fruit. So what do we mean by fruit of the Spirit? Well, a fruit is something that is produced, and it's produced either by a vine or a tree. And so I've got up here an apple tree. And so if you think about if your fruit's not very good, if you say, you know, I, I don't know that I have a lot of joy in my life, it's not, it's not the fruit, it's the tree. And until you can get a healthier tree, you're not going to produce a healthier fruit. I'm going to show you a picture of a, of a tree, an apple tree that's not as, uh, not as appealing. Which one would you prefer to eat off of? Obviously, the one here on your left would be the one that you'd want to go with because that's a healthier tree, and that healthier tree is going to produce a, a healthier fruit. And so in our lives, if we're not... If we don't have joy, it's, because, it's because we're not right, because our heart is not right. And until we get that right, we can't produce the kind of fruit uh, that, that it should be produced, and it's going to look like that over there on the right. Okay, so let's talk about a gift. So the joy, Christian joy, the fruit of the Spirit joy, that joy comes from a knowing. It comes from a faith. It comes from understanding the gift that man was given in Jesus Christ. That's what it comes from. And it is something that, that is, you talk about the gift that keeps on giving, it's the gift that you will always have. That, that man, that no one can take from you. Now you could forfeit it by your, by your actions, but no one can take it from you. It is the gift that keeps on giving, and because it is the gift that keeps on giving, salvation is the gift that keeps on giving, and therefore, joy 
is the product that you should keep on living. That that ought to be a constant in your life because regardless of what happens in this world, that's your, that's your insurance, that's your fallback, that's what you know you have in the bank. You know, we're going to go through different times in life and, and, and some are going to be good and some are going to be bad. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But that there is a constant that a Christian has a promise and that promise is salvation through Jesus Christ. And it's a gift that we should be excited about. Paul says it this way to the church at Thessalonica. And he said, you became followers of us and of the Lord, having, re having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to notice that they received and they had joy. But were they in good times? Were things great with them? In affliction, much affliction. The church was being persecuted. And yet they could have joy because of that insurance that they had, that faith that they had in Jesus Christ. So, brethren, if we don't have joy in our lives, it's because our faith is weak. It's not a product of, of what's going on in our life in the moment. So I want to contrast for a minute happiness with spiritual joy. Happiness. So happiness is subject to change in life. It's subject to difference in conditions. And there's going to be things that happen in your life that are wonderful. And you're going to celebrate and you're going to be joyous over those things. You're going to get a new job. Things are going to be great. And then you're going to find out the death of a loved one, maybe a, maybe a grandparent that you, you cared about deeply and now they're gone and you no longer have that relationship. You're going to lose a job. You're going to get sick. All these things are part of the natural conditions of, of man. For me, I don't do a whole lot, but here's, here's a picture of Connie and I with a guy that, that Danny and Angie probably recognize. This is this guy, his name is Ned Luberecki, and he was the banjo player of the year a couple of years ago. Um, as, so that's a couple years back. I know I look a lot younger in that picture. Um, but, but that event, we went to an event and we got this picture and we got to hear some good music. But you know, that event ended. And then we went back to work and back to normal life. So yes, that was a fun moment, but it ended, and so then you're back to your normal life. So here's my house, and my house brings me a lot of joy. Uh, it brings me a lot of happiness. Uh, my wife is a great cook and a great homemaker, and so I get to come home to a really nice place that is comfortable and, and we're very happy there. That brings me a lot of happiness. But you know, I also see on the news that there are tornadoes that hit neighborhoods and they wipe out homes like this one and like any other you would think about. And those things, those things are destroyed. We understand that anything we have in this life is temporal and subject to random acts that we may have no control over. Some cases we do have control over them, but in a lot of cases, we don't. And so those things that bring us much happiness can be taken away. We can lose them. 
that's different than joy. Joy stays with us. Here's what, here's what David said. David said, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. It doesn't end. So there's, again, we're trying to contrast the idea of happiness, which is subject to the whims of life, and joy, which is of the Lord, and is guaranteed. You know, one of the things about David, uh, this is a story we talked about a little bit at Bible study the other night, but so David had this idea that he was going to build a house to the Lord. And Nathan the prophet, he told his friend Nathan the prophet about that, and Nathan said, that's a great idea, do what's in your heart. But Nathan went home, and the Lord spoke to Nathan and said, that's not my plan, that David's son Solomon will build the house to me. David will not. He was a man of blood, and that wasn't God's plan. David, who was the most powerful man on earth at that moment, could have been enraged. But his approach was to be joyous, to be excited that his son would build that house and that ultimately God would receive the house that he had envisioned for him. And so that's what made David happy. David's focus was on the Lord and the happiness and the joy that came from that rather than uh, him getting the glory for doing something that, that he might have wanted to do. So just by way of a graph, I just put this up here just to kind of help us to understand that happiness subject to all these different whims. You get a new job, man, your happiness goes up. You, you lose a job or you get sick or you lose a loved one. And by the way, I thought about this this morning. I, there could be, a, on the road to happiness, there's a thousand gyrations, right? I mean, you, you think about that is that it's, it's daily and sometimes hourly. You're working on a project at work and you, you, hit, a, you hit a roadblock and there's something that it, you just can't get past it. Frustration. Your happiness goes down. You, you get through that roadblock. Your happiness goes back up. So happiness is a roller coaster ride. But joy should be constant. And in fact, as I've got it drawn here, joy should grow because as your faith grows stronger, your joy will increase. And here's the thing about joy is that it keeps you from being too down on the lows of life because we know we're going to face them. It serves as an anchor that we've always got a fallback. You know, I've been at a lot of funerals where I've heard Christian people say, I don't know how people do it without the Lord. They just look at the despair that they're in and the lack of happiness because of the loss of a loved one, but then they reflect and they recognize that they have a hope that people that are without the Lord do not have, and their, their natural reaction to that is, how do people deal with that if you don't have the Lord? You don't have something you can fall back on. Joy serves as an anchor to keep our lows from being too low. There's people in this room that have chronic pain. Chronic pain would keep you from achieving a certain level of happiness. But you can have joy 
in the Lord and knowing that you have a salvation that awaits you through your obedience to Jesus Christ. And that can anchor you and that can keep those loads from being quite as low. This is a story about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was, he lived in Babylon and he served the king there. And he heard news from back in Jerusalem that the city, the wall was, was knocked down and that they were being ransacked from all sides. And they were attacked by their enemies and the wall was destroyed. So they really had no way of protecting the city. And when Nehemiah heard about that, he petitioned the king to let him go back to Jerusalem and organize a group of people that would work to restore the wall and allow Jerusalem once again to be protected. They did that. I can't remember the number of days, but it was like in 50-something days, they resurrected that wall that, that protected that city. Well, after that, Ezra the priest stood up amongst the people and he read the word to them. So they had finally got at bay with some of their enemies and now they're going to dig back into God's word which they had not read in many, many years. So they read in the book of the law distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Is the joy of the Lord your strength this morning? Does he get you through the tough times? Do you, do you fall back on that, or do you find yourself getting low, 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 because things in life don't always turn out the way we would have them to? Lasting joy, lasting strength is only in the Lord. If you look at Jesus himself, he says in Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So think about that. So Jesus had to be able to see the other side. He had to have a vision for beyond what was in front of him. He was facing as cruel a death as we can imagine more cruel than we can imagine. Most of us have seen that movie, The Passion, and it's, it's hard to look at because it's hard to imagine anybody. I wouldn't want anybody to go through that. But the Savior of mankind to have to go through that. But he was able to look beyond that and see a salvation that he was going to bring to man so he was going to be reunited with his father, but he was going to give an opportunity for you and for me to be in good relationship with, with the father again. Through what he, so he had to see beyond his, his, and we've all been around people that couldn't see past the moment. And, and, we, and I know in my life there's been times that I couldn't see past the moment. And I was caught up in that moment not getting the big picture. James kind of challenges us to do the same thing. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Doesn't sound like something to be joyous about, does it? But it's going to increase your faith. And if it increases your faith, it's going to increase your joy. 
It's strengthening that tree that, that is the fruit on which joy is built upon. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let, let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. You know, if you look at the, the just advertisements in general today, we are inundated with a message that says your life could be better if you could have, and then you fill in the blank, whatever their product that they're, they're selling or the experience that they want you to have, all those things. That's happiness. Now, let me say there is nothing wrong with, with some happiness and even pursuing some happiness. Uh, the Coles got back from a family vacation. There's nothing wrong with that. There, there are many of you that travel and do things that bring you happiness, that, you re, that unite your family, that you do things because they bring a certain level of, of, of happiness to your life. There's nothing wrong with that, but when the pursuit of happiness is more powerful in your life than the pursuit of spiritual joy, then you're setting yourself up for, for a failure. You're setting yourself up for um, some real heartache because your joy won't be strong enough to support you in those tough times. Um, you know, there's a message that I see a lot that's, you know, do this and change your life. I always think, how do they know I need my life changed? What if I'm happy with my life the way it is? But most people are searching for something, and the point is that advertisers know that people are searching for something that will make their life better, and so they're able to, to use these messages to convince you that, uh, that that's what you ought to do, that you ought to buy into their product or buy into their experience or buy into their service. The, the uh, quote up here on the far right, it's not selfish to love yourself to take care of yourself and make your happiness a priority. It's necessary. I would say that that's misplaced. That when your focus is on you and making you happy, it's kind of like, okay, do I want that broccoli or do I want those donuts? Well, the donuts are better in the moment but the broccoli might be the way to go long term. So uh, there's a, this, I just searched on the internet and found this. This was a group of firefighters that were dispatched to the wrong location. So, you know, I'm sure that this group, they carried all the proper equipment. They had enough hose. They had enough firefighters. They had, they had a water supply. They had uh, a truck that was fully equipped. They probably had everything to fight the fire, but there's only one problem, that they were at the wrong place. And I kind of think about that kind of in relation to uh, chasing happiness versus joy, that you can chase happiness as hard as you want, and yet there's going to be some limitations to that and, and, the, and the satisfaction it brings you if you don't also have joy to go right along with it. 
So these guys, uh, they went to the wrong address and there were a couple of people in a house at a different location uh, as that house was on fire. It doesn't, doesn't say how that came out and I didn't look into it. But the point is, you know, there's a Stephen Covey thing there where he does a contrast between management and leadership. And management is about doing all the, the, all the, doing the stuff right. And leadership is about doing the right stuff. And he uses this analogy of, of a, a ladder against a wall. And that you can, you can put the ladder against the wall and you can climb it with all the technique you want, but if it's the wrong wall, it's not gonna take you where you need to be. And, and again, people, including Christians, and I've been guilty of this as well, that sometimes we get so busy chasing happiness that we forget about joy. Could you imagine that obedience is a prerequisite to joy? You know, just, just intuitively, you would think that, well, obedience doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound joyous for me to be obedient to somebody else's rules and laws. But here's what Jesus said about that. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that you might remain in, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Obedience to the Lord leads to faith. Faith leads to joy. So if you have these things in your life, you're going to have joy. And then looking at the whole idea of focus on me, that happiness is about satisfying my desires in the moment. It's about, it's about me. What do I need? It, it's self-centered, whereas joy is about seeking God. And if you're seeking God, not only are you going to be focused on God, you're going to be focused on others. You know, probably most of us reflect on a time in our life that we did something nice for somebody else. And, but we got something out of that too, didn't we? We got a satisfaction of knowing that we helped somebody else. That's a certain level of, of happiness as well. So focus upon, upon seeking the Lord rather than serving me, which, is, which can't be fully, uh, fully satisfied. David said it like this. He said, here, and by here he means one that is destroyed, is the man who did not make God his strength. So to be destroyed is one that, that chooses not to make God his strength, but rather to choose something else. So finally, we want to ask ourselves, do we find ourselves low on, on joy? And then if we do, what, what do we do about that? Um, there's, there's times in our lives that our faith, faith may waver. Our faith may grow weak because uh, we've gotten caught up in the things of this life and we just, we can't get past what's in the moment. We can't see beyond that. It's, it's, time to, it's time for a reset. It's time to recalibrate our lives. It's time to spend more time in God's Word. It's time to spend more time with other brethren. It's time to spend uh, more time in prayer. 
it's time for a reset. I, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I went to um, Lubbock this past summer with uh, Connie and I went out there to visit the kids and grandkids. And um, in doing so, we were I was having a conversation with a uh, son and daughter-in-law and I was telling them about my back that had been bothering me, not bad, but for about eight months I had this little spot that it just, I had been exercising and it just like popped and I thought, and it just didn't get any better. And so I pointed to the spot and my daughter-in-law said that her daughter, our granddaughter, Abby, had had that too. That, and it's called an SI joint. And she said, just Google that. And so I did, and I found this doctor that showed you these exercises that you first look at and go, that won't work, that's stupid. It works. <laughs> it works. In fact, my problem completely went away within about 10 minutes of doing these exercises. But here's what I found. That over the course of weeks, it comes back. So you know what you have to do? You have to go hit the reset again. In fact, the thing, that, the thing that made it worse was when I did the exercises, he said, okay, you do this reset, and then once you get the reset, then you ought to do these exercises that'll strengthen it, and you won't have the problem again. Well, when I do the exercises, it made it worse. So what I do is I just keep doing the reset. That's kind of what we need to do with Christianity is when you get to a point where you realize your faith is weak, you need to spend more time in the Word. You need to hit the reset button. Connie's got an app on her phone now that uh, will just at random times, it'll, her phone will play this music and it's a, it's a reminder to do something spiritual and it'll, it'll, she picks up her phone and it'll say, spend five minutes in prayer or spend five minutes with the Lord, whatever, whatever that means. But it's a, you know, what's, what's great about it is it's random and it's a reminder so that if you do get off track, you, oh yeah, okay, right. That's what's important. Let me get back to that. So I, those things can be valuable in helping people get on track, stay on track, and keeping the joy in their life that God would have us to have. You know, we don't know what we're going to face here, but we do have a promise of eternal life. We know that things can be great. And God has given us, especially in this country, has blessed us with riches uh, beyond what has ever been experienced or um, enjoyed by any peoples in the history of the world. But there's limitations. But we don't have a limitation on joy. So this morning I would, I would call you to consider that. Think about, are you a, are you a content person? And if that contentment that contentment should be a manifestation of this fruit, the fruit that the Lord has provided, the fruit of the Spirit, that's a joy. Uh, this morning we're going to offer a song of invitation. If the church can help you in some way, uh, we would ask you to come forward as we stand together and we sing.